So I'm going to talk about, uh, continue along this theme that we've been talking about as far as inward journeys, inward things, inward planes. But I'm going to use the Bible this morning. And uh, things are shifting for me uh, internally quite a bit. It's funny that I have been talking about this on these Sunday morning lives because uh, I've really been feeling uh, some shifts happening. And I, I think it's an interesting time for me for this to be going on. I talked about it in the Facebook group last Monday, and I'll go into it a little bit more. It's something else with the uh, Facebook group. It's private, but I, I'm also sharing a little bit more intimately, a little bit more personally about things that go on with me and uh, the shifts and changes that I'm feeling. I'll be sharing a little bit more <clears throat> about that today, and then I'll be sharing a little bit more about that tomorrow night when I go live in the group. So that's just a little bit of housekeeping stuff. Those of you that have been supporting us on our PayPal link, I really appreciate that. If you appreciate what we're doing, um, almost all the content we're putting out, all the content we're putting out right now is free and available to anybody. So if you want to help us continue to do that, you can support us by subscribing to the YouTube channel, um, sharing videos, commenting, liking, uh, watching these. And also, if you want to make a donation, you can do it to our PayPal account, which is in the description. So I want to talk about um, something that someone shared with me a couple of weeks ago. I guess it's been about two weeks ago now that has just really had a, a powerful impact on me. And this was another former pastor who was uh, deconstructing and wrestling. <laughs> I use that term a lot today. Wrestling with a lot of the issues that we wrestle with when we deconstruct and when we challenge our uh, faith or our belief systems or our values. We just go through some kind of transformation, which is all a part of growth. You know, change is part of growth. And change can come to us or awakenings can come to us or things that cause us to deconstruct can come to us in lots of different ways. It can come like we can just wake up one morning. <laughs> That's kind of what happened to me. Uh, we can just wake up one morning and uh, just view the world differently. We can grow and change if we're open to new information and intellectual honesty and humble enough to admit that we don't know everything, we don't see every aspect of everything. Or it can come to us through uh, difficulty in life. But one of the things I want to start with this morning is, is talk about how complex, how chaos, <laughs> chaos is really a good thing in our lives because chaos gives us the opportunity to start over. As painful as it may be, as difficult as it may be, as wonderful as we think the past has been, when our life hits chaos, and it can hit it through any number of ways, some of the ways that I mentioned and, you know, other ways as well, um, things that are happening in the world, right? Our world kind of hit <laughs> a lot of chaos in, during the pandemic and in 2019 and 2020, 2021, inflation can make it very difficult for us to achieve our goals or difficult for us to survive. So there can be environmental factors. There can be political factors. 
There can be personal factors, and all these things can generate and create for us chaos. And it's interesting to me that in the scriptures, in Genesis chapter 1, creation doesn't begin out of nothing, what they say in the Latin, ex nihilo, which is a fancy theological term that we learn that the church has embraced and believed for years that God of the Bible created the world ex nihilo, out of nothing. But if you read the text, it does say God created the heaven and the earth, but it says the earth was without form and void in the English translations. The Hebrew there is a phrase called tohu vubohu. <laughs> Getting lots of comments. Love it. Um, lots of people commenting. Uh, Joyce says, I hit chaos for 12 days in January of 2021. Woke me up for sure. Yeah. Um so chaos is, is an opportunity for a reshaping, a reforming, a remolding, a re-inhabiting. So if you want to put this on a personal level, when we go through this stuff and we experience chaos in our identity, and that's what a lot of people miss, I think, when they're going through this deconstruction process, especially if you were really devoted, if you were really committed, uh, believer or whatever it was that you were doing. I come from the Christian realm, Christianity. I was a pastor. So that's the way I relate to deconstruction, right? So when I began to deconstruct from my faith, when I began to say this no longer fits for me, this no longer works for me in my life, I'm no longer happy or satisfied, I no longer believe these things, I can no longer with integrity continue to do the things that I'm doing, that sent my identity into chaos. Because I had to figure out who am I now. If I, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've identified as a Christian. I've tried to make my choices based on what I believed was the will of God, what I believed the scriptures were telling me to do, what I believed the leading, leading of the Holy Spirit was. Uh, career wise, I'm a pastor. I'm looked to people as, uh, you know, a spiritual leader and spiritual authority. And, and so especially when we shut our church down, Especially when we shut our church down, it was like so much chaos, right? Chaos in terms of my identity. So personal crisis, midlife crisis, call it whatever you want to call it. But there was chaos in terms of my identity. My identity was breaking down. My identity was breaking apart. And then if we take chaos and we add to that complexity, (laughs) we add to that complexity, it actually gives us a greater opportunity for change, for growth, and for reinventing, right? Because chaos in terms of identity, and then you add the complexity, complexities that I already talked about, complexities of people not understanding or appreciating what you're going through, and so people leaving you or disconnecting from you because they were connected to you because of who you were, right, as a pastor or as a person. And now you're deconstructing. You don't even know who you are. You're dealing with this chaos, but everybody else is recognizing it or sensing it or they're not appreciating it. And so you lose a lot of relationships. You get misunderstood. Uh, people might, uh, in my case, because I was a public figure, they might attack you. They might make up stories about you. It, uh, or they may just misunderstand, have just enough information and misunderstand things. Uh, all kinds of stuff can happen, right? That adds complexity. The other people uh, in life add complexity. And then there's financial challenges that come with that because I made my living doing those things. And 
then, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, inflation and all of those kinds of things. And so that adds a tremendous amount of complexity. Throw in, in my case, uh, <clears throat> my children, raising my children, uh, they have unique needs. That's not anybody's business that I need to talk about here, but that adds complexity, right? The tension on the relationships. So now there's tremendous opportunity. So I think that we like it better when we are cruising through life, right? We like it better when we're just totally at peace. We like it better. We like predictability too. We like predictability and control. So if nothing changes, if there's no chaos, right? If I just get up and do the same things, think the same things, go the same places, uh, and I do that day after day after day after day, it adds an element of simplicity, right? <clears throat> it mitigates a lot of the chaos, but there's no change. There's no growth. So we all think, you know, we used to think in the Christian community that we were blessed of God or the Holy Spirit was leading us if we had peace. And if we didn't have peace about something, we called that discernment and we said, well, I'm, I'm pulling back from that. I'm, um, <clears throat> I don't have a piece about that, brother. Some of you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but those really aren't the, the times in our lives. I mean, we should embrace everything about our life, but I guess what I'm trying to say is when there's chaos, when there's complexity, the more chaos, the more complexity, the more opportunity, the more creative energy that's actually being generated, the more opportunity for personal growth and personal evolution. And so if we have chaos in our lives and then we add complexity to our lives, then what can begin to emerge out of that is novelty and growth. And so if we can embrace these times of our lives as not as being catastrophic, not as, oh, my God, what's what's happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? I mean, we're going to do that as human beings. I'm not chastising. I don't mean to come across like I'm chastising anybody for doing that. Um, we're going to do that. And if we can embrace it, so not <clears throat> either or, if we can experience those feelings, we can experience those struggles as part of the chaos, as part of the complexity. And then if we can <clears throat> add our perspective to it, that this is going to be my greatest opportunity for reformation, to reform and to refill. So, again, I'm going to go back to what the Bible says in the beginning. <clears throat> when the earth is without form... And void. So people mistake. I mean, the whole argument over seven days of creation is <laughs> mistaken, not just because of science from a Christian perspective, not just because of science. It's mistaken because they don't even read the text right. Like it's a poem. It's this is not a, a biological. Uh, I'm sorry, a scientific passage. It's a poetic passage talking about how God, in this case, the creator, dealt with creation that was chaotic and void, chaotic and void. So each day what you see happen is that God gives form. When God speaks, God gives form to something, and then he fills it. So 
he sets a limit to the waters so that dry land can appear, and then he starts to fill the dry land with vegetation. So that's the form, right? Separating the water from the dry land, that's giving it form. And then vegetation and animals on the land, fish in the sea, that's filling it. See the same exact thing in Genesis chapter 2 when the Lord creates Adam, he forms his body from the dust of the clay, giving form to it. And then he breathes into Adam the breath of life. So he fills him with himself, really, creating him in his own image, filling him with himself, filling him with his breath. And Adam becomes a living soul. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about that we can all go through periods of chaos that's not just happening around us or outside of us. That's the complexities. But the chaos that's going on inside of us at various different times that we don't notice, the questions, the doubts, the struggles, the thoughts that we try to suppress, the aspects of us that keep coming up that we don't want to deal with. It could be trauma. It could be uh, memories. It could be regrets. It could be anxieties. But... <clears throat> There, we could, we could be in this incredible time of change. You could be deconstructing and not really sure the path forward for you or not really sure who you are now. You could have, maybe you lost a relationship. Maybe, like I said, you just woke up and said, I don't, I'm unsatisfied with life and I want to live differently. So now there has to be a new person. There has to be a new identity that is shaped for me, that is formed for me. And then I have to learn to walk in that new identity. I have to fill it. I have to inhabit it. So it's just like God separating the water from the dry land. I need to form, I need to have some idea of what this new person is going to be and what this new person is going to look like. And then I have to inhabit it. I have to be able to walk in it. I have to be able to to live out uh, that identity from, from my heart. I've got to be able to live it out authentically, right? So with that pattern, that brings me, and, and again, I got this from a friend of mine named Jeff Turner, who was, you know, speaking these things to me out of his own insights and perceptions and, and what was happening with him. But it was also speaking very, very powerfully to me. I talked about that last week on Monday night. So <clears throat> this brings us to a story that I want to talk about with Jacob. And again, I'm not intending to trigger anybody if, if you're like completely done with all things Bible and you think it's all BS and what have you. I appreciate that. And I don't do this on every video, but I'm also not afraid to use stories in the Bible that speak very powerfully to me and maybe can speak powerfully to others and be helpful to them. So there's no being beholden to the Bible as though it's the end all be all the authority of all things and the source of our faith and the rule of our conduct, but I'm also willing to use these stories as ancient stories that speak to us in our lives. And so that's the approach I'm taking. Just a little disclaimer there. That's the approach that I'm taking when I'm looking at this story of Jacob, of Jacob, Jacob and Esau. So there's a really interesting passage. I want to say it's in like around Genesis 32 and Jacob is grown. He has children. Esau's grown. They both have uh, built wealth for themselves. They both have a, a certain standing and uh, stature, if you will. But they've been estranged. They've been estranged since Jacob left 
homes. So for those of you that aren't as familiar with the story, Jacob and Esau were twins. And they were wrestling. This idea of wrestling is going to be important in a minute. They were wrestling in the womb. There was a conflict in the womb because it was believed and taught and the pattern throughout the, the Torah and the scriptures was that everything that opened the womb belonged to the Lord. So the firstborn, whether it was cattle or sheep or family, human beings, belonged to the Lord in a special way. So the firstborn son, specifically, that was in a family would be given a double portion of the inheritance. So in other words... If in Jacob's case, let's say he has the 12 sons, right? Then the firstborn, if he was going to divide his inheritance or divide his wealth by 12, the firstborn would get a double portion, would get twice as much as everybody else because the firstborn belongs to the Lord. So being firstborn was a very privileged place in that culture and in the context of the stories. And so Jacob and Esau are wrestling in the womb, not just because they don't get along. They're fighting and struggling, if you will, to be the one who comes out with the privileges, the one who comes out with the birthright, the one who comes out with the blessings. And when they're born, Esau is born first and Jacob is grasping at his heel. And for millennia, commentators, Jewish and Christian, and I suppose Muslim as well, on the texts have always said that the name Jacob means a deceiver or a liar, but that's actually not entirely true. The word Jacob means one who seeks to supplant or the supplanter or the idea he's grasping at his heel. He is trying to pull Esau. <laughs> Out of the way. And this is such a powerful metaphor for us because if you think about this, now, God had already told Rebecca when she was pregnant and she could feel the boys wrestling and fighting with each other in the womb, God had told her that Jacob would be the blessed one, that the elder, the firstborn, would serve the younger and that Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. So God had already chosen Jacob. So, again, metaphorically, it's his destiny to get the blessing. It's his destiny to be the firstborn. So he's wrestling and reaching for the things that he's internally programmed for, if that makes sense to you. He's wrestling in the womb. In the very beginning, he's wrestling and reaching for it. And he's grasping at the heel because... Something, in this case, someone, is in his way. And so if we can look at this, again, metaphorically, we can perhaps understand, I believe this, this is my personal belief, I'm not pushing this off on anybody, but I believe that we had a pre-existence prior to this incarnation. I don't believe that our consciousness, our soul, our personality, uh, our thinking, the uh, our desires, the things that we want, um, I don't believe that's the byproduct of our brains, of the biological assembly of our brains. And I've done a number of videos on that, particularly on Sunday morning lives. So I'm not going to relitigate that here. I believe instead that um, 
that we do have individual identities and individual processes. And I do believe in past lives and I do believe in past life issues presenting themselves. And I do believe in future lives. But I also believe that we, we do have a soul. We do have a unique soul signature, if you will. Um, Doug Wentz in the group, he was uh, delineating soul and spirit. And so if, if you read all that stuff, when I'm saying soul, I'm, I'm saying the exact same thing that Doug's saying, but Doug is attributing it to spirit. So I understand what Doug's saying. I don't, I don't want to cause confusion in the group, but let's just say whether you call it spirit or soul, that preexistent part of you has a certain sound, a certain resonance, a certain code, a certain knowledge, intuitive knowledge of the design of your life, why you're here. What is the purpose of this? I think we can get the answers to that for each one of us individually, intuitively. That's my personal belief. You don't have to share that belief. You can relate to this story as anything that you're wrestling with and grasping because we're talking about chaos. We're talking about complexity. So Jacob is reaching for his destiny, right? And he's wrestling with that which is getting in the way of him being able to express fully who he is and have what he can have in this life, right? So that's the picture. So he's named Jacob not because he's a deceiver. He's named Jacob because he's a supplanter. He has a certain destiny. He has a certain expression of himself that he, that he's supposed to get out, that he's supposed to authentically live. This, this, this whole story of Jacob and Esau is all about identity to me from the very beginning. And so as the boys are growing up, Esau, who technically is the firstborn, is representative of what in the culture of that day would be understood as the masculine principle. And so what I mean is that, you know, gender roles in patriarchal agricultural society are very clear. And they were very clear back then in that day. And so in the story, the masculine Esau is hairy. He comes out hairy. He's a hunter. He's a gatherer. He's, uh, and he's, he's dad's favorite. He's daddy's favorite. Daddy just loves him. Jacob, on the other hand, sticks around the home. So Jacob represents that feminine principle. Jacob is staying around the home. He's, he's mama's boy. He's uh, learning home ec. He's taking home ec, right? <laughs> and so we see this clearly in another part of the story where Jacob goes out and hunts and kills some, I'm sorry, Esau goes out and hunts and kills some game. And he brings it home for Jacob to cook uh, the stew. And Esau actually sells his birthright to Jacob for the stew. But you see this, this idea of polarities. I want to tread lightly in today's culture with, in regards to gender, because I understand it's a social construct. But in hermetic teachings, there is this principle of, uh, masculine and feminine energies being polarities that come together to form a third. The two polarities coming together to form a third. But the polarities, in this case, Jacob representing one polarity, the feminine, and Esau representing another polarity, the masculine, they're at war with each other. They're wrestling with each other. And that's 
that's complexity. That's chaos. That's this wrestling thing, right? So I'm doing all this to give you background to Genesis 32, because when we get to Genesis 32, um, Jacob finds himself by the river Jabok, and I'm not using the Hebrew pronunciations correctly. But I want you to listen to this. Jacob is wrestling, has a night, he spends the night, and he starts to wrestle with a man that we later find out is a spiritual entity, and it's never revealed what type or who exactly this spiritual being was that Jacob's wrestling with. In fact, the story goes out of its way not to identify him. But he finds himself wrestling again, and he finds himself wrestling in the dark. And I want you to listen carefully. Jacob is having this encounter in the darkness at night, wrestling by a river called Jabok. Jacob, Jabok. (laughs) There's a deliberate play on words there in the Hebrew. And both the word Jacob and the word Jabok and the word wrestle have the same Hebrew roots in the words. So, and, and, the scripture uses a lot of puns in this way. So I just want you to see the relationship in Hebrew. There's a relationship, very close similarities between the word wrestle, the word Jacob, because you're supplanting, right? And Jabok, the river where this is going on. And so it's darkness and it says that, that Jacob is wrestling all night with this angel. Oftentimes it says Jacob wrestled with an angel. So we'll just say angel for the sake of communicating the story right now. He's wrestling with this angel, not a, not a physical man. He's wrestling with an angel all night. Just like he was wrestling with Esau in the womb. Now, the next day, he's preparing to go and meet his brother Esau for the first time. And he's worried and he's anxious that his brother Esau hates him and out of vengeance is going to want to kill him. So he's trying to think of all these ways to get Esau's favor to spare himself and his little tribe that was with him. So he begins his life wrestling with Esau in the womb, and he's going to meet Esau now for the first time since he left home. And he's wrestling in a very dark place, dark and watery place. See, the imagery is there. He's by the river Jabok. So he begins by wrestling with Esau in a womb in darkness and in water, a dark and watery place. And now we find him at night wrestling with an angel in a dark and watery place. So he's in a new womb of darkness and chaos. See the allusions to in the beginning? Darkness was over the face of the deep. Spirit of God hovered over the waters. See the correlations there? So he's wrestling all night, and the man, it says that it's getting to the breaking of the day. This is really important. It says it's getting to the breaking of the day. And that man or the angel, the one wrestling with Jacob says, I'm sorry, Jacob says to the angel. No, let me get it right. I should be reading it. Sorry, guys. Don't mean to confuse you. The angel says to Jacob, let me go, 
because the breaking of the day has come. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And the angel asks Jacob, he says, what is your name? What is your name? And Jacob says, of course, he answers, Jacob. Now, I want to take you back to one other part of the story that's really important here. There was a strong belief in the story, in the ancient cultures, in Judaism, probably even to this day, that a father could lay hands on his son and impart a blessing, a supernatural favor over them, in other words. Um, there was a strong belief in blessings and curses. If you were blessed, you just kind of had a, your life was charmed. You just kind of had luck. When you came up against adversity, it would somehow work out for you. Opportunities and favor would open up for you. And so this blessing was something to be coveted. And Isaac, their father, is dying. And he's blind. And he calls for Esau to come so that he can give him the blessing. And Rebecca puts Jacob, this is why he gets called a deceiver and a liar, but really it was Rebecca, his mother, puts him up to dressing up like Esau, putting on the garments of Esau, put on, uh, I think he put on like goat skin or something on his arms to make his arms feel hairy. And he walks in and presents himself to his father as Esau, not as Jacob. And there's a really interesting thing in there because the the father says to his son, he says, come here, let me let me touch you, let me feel you. And he, he feels the hairy arms and he says, ah, he says, you have the arms, the physical appearance and presentation of Esau, but I hear in you the voice of Jacob. This is super important to what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about conflict and wrestling within identity and within yourself. It's the arms of Esau, my son, but it's the voice of Jacob, my son, that I hear. And ultimately, Isaac ends up blessing him, sending him off, and then Esau comes in, and apparently this blessing could only be given one time. And because he'd given it to Jacob, he'd laid hands on and transferred and spoken over Jacob. He couldn't give that blessing again to Esau. He couldn't reverse it and say, oh, I made a mistake. Let's come back. You know, it's kind of like this idea of these laws of the universe. But I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about how many times do we wear the garment of someone else, the costume of someone else, the form and identity of someone else while there's a different sound coming from our spirit or from our soul. So I'm talking about internal wrestling. Like I have to present myself like as a Christian, as a pastor, I had to present myself a certain way to get the blessing of the community that I was serving to belong 
to be favored, to be accepted. But there was a different, but, I, but at some point I began to hear a different sound, right? So like, I'm presenting myself every Sunday morning in the persona of Esau, metaphorically, in the garment of Esau, but there's a different sound. So everybody that would get me back then would get the garment of Esau, but the voice of Jacob. Does that make sense to you? So there's this incongruence that's there. And the really sad thing for, the really sad thing in the story to me for Jacob is that he never got his father's blessing as Jacob. He never got it authentically. It was never authentic. And see, that's the problem. Whether we are dressing up who we are in our families to get their acceptance, or we're dressing up who we are in a romantic relationship to get the blessing, or we're dressing up who we are in a cultural setting to get the blessing, but it's not us. It's it's the fake. It's the mask that we're wearing. Then even when we get those things back, even when we get a loving response, even when we get acceptance, even when we get blessing, the Jacob inside of us knows that they're really blessing Esau. They're not really blessing me. So it isn't satisfying. It doesn't do the trick, right? And so all that to say, this is why this is so important, because this culminates back to the story of wrestling at night with the angel. The angel... He, and Jacob are wrestling and Jacob grabs the angel and says, uh, bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And so the angel responds and says, what is your name? Because the last time you asked for a blessing, the last time you wrestled to get a blessing, you lied about your name. You lied about your nature. You lied about your sound. You said you were Esau. So I want to know. Jacob, has there been any growth in you? Has there been any change? Has there been anything in you where you're ready to let that sound that is your authentic sound, that is your authentic voice, that is your authentic nature, that is your authentic name, are you ready to lay that on the line to see if it's worthy of being blessed? To see if it can be blessed and received and accepted and not rejected. To see if it can be integrated. See, we read the story from the vantage point of our religions uh, from the vantage point of knowing that uh, the text says, uh, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. We, we read it from the vantage point of knowing that Jacob is the loved one, Jacob is the favored one. And so we have a tendency to read it in the voice of the hero. We have a tendency to read it in the voice of the righteous, everything we were trying to be, right? So like... Uh, uh, the religious, like the, how do I struggling to communicate this? But we read it, we we hear the story through the voice of Jacob as the hero. Jacob is the hero in the story, but you got to understand because of the way the story is set up, Jacob is not the hero. Jacob is the villain in the culture of the day. Women didn't even count as people. Women were property. So for Jacob, a man to be identifying with the feminine principle and to be doing the uh, feminine tasks like cooking soup and stuff, that was shameful. And he was shunned by his father. Esau fit the bill. Esau was out there 
doing what a man was supposed to do back in that time. Esau was the firstborn. Esau was going to get the inheritance. Esau was going to get the, the family name, essentially become the head of the, the, the clan and the head of the family. And you see what I'm saying? And so, so Esau really represents what culturally, religiously, righteously would be accepted in our culture, would be accepted in our day and age. Esau represents the, the, the culturally formed self, the one that's accepted, the one that is approved of, the one that is looked at and called righteous, the one that is looked at and called approving, the one that is looked at and called you are to be blessed, the one that is looked at as though they're favored of God, the one with the, the, the birthright, even though he sold it. I think you get the point. Jacob represents that which is shamed, that which does not fit, that which does not conform, that which actually goes completely against conformity. He's the one that leaves the house in shame and exile for fear that Esau is going to kill him. So the voice in the story is the voice of the oppressed. It's the voice of the outsider. Or if we look at it as parts of ourselves, it's the voice of the parts of ourselves that we doubt. It's the voice of the parts of ourselves that has been rejected. It's the voice of the parts of ourselves that lies within our shadow but is wrestling with the persona is wrestling with Esau for that authentic sound, that authentic voice to come out. That's why I think it's so interesting that Isaac says, oh, it's the appearance, it's the feeling. This has the feeling and the appearance of Esau, but I hear the voice of Jacob. And remember, I said, I believe that our souls come with a unique sound, with a unique sound signature, a unique vibration. And so we find ourselves, when I'm talking about wrestling with our identity, what I'm saying is, is that we find ourselves wrestling with these parts of ourselves, wrestling with these aspects of ourselves that are trying to fit in and that are trying to get our needs met, but they're getting in the way of our unique sound coming out. And so, so many times we present ourselves in the garments of Esau, but with the voice of Jacob, and until we have a wrestling match, until there's darkness and chaos in this watery place of Jabok, Jacob, and we can come to terms with our authentic self. So when the angel asks him, what is your name? you got to remember that he's wrestling by this winding river. Uh, Jabok is this winding river, but it's just, it's just a couple letters uh, switched, and you have Jacob. Right. So Jake, because names represent identity, it's like Jacob's wrestling with the distorted ideas of who he is. That's what Jabok represents. The, 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 he's wrestling with these ideas about himself. You see what I'm saying? And finally he says, I won't let you go till you bless me. He says, what is your name? And Jacob, for the very first time, he says, my name is Jacob. <laughs> and, the angel tells him, he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. This is important. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob. For you have wrestled with man and with God. And you have prevailed. You have finally supplanted. In other words, he's not discounting Jacob's name, saying you shall no longer be called Jacob. He's saying, finally, finally, you've identified who you are. And you've reached the end of that phase. You've reached the end of this phase of your life. You've reached the end of this phase of your development. And this all happens at dawn, at twilight. This is so important. This all happens at twilight. In other words, this all comes together for 
Jacob. At the time where there's a blending, a merging, an integration of darkness and light. In other words, these two polarities, the masculine polarity and the feminine polarity, have now come together. Jacob and Esau are going to meet that day at the breaking of the day, but they've now come together and they've been reconciled and they've been, they're no longer at war with each other. They're no longer wrestling. So now a third can emerge. That's why the, the principles of masculine and feminine, because you've got the masculine and the feminine coming together and merging, each bringing the properties of the other that they bring to each other together at twilight, at the blending of the light and the darkness, so that now a third can emerge, so that now your name shall be called Israel, and so that now the nation, as it goes in the story of Israel, can come through your family line. So powerful. So he gets up the next morning and he's walking with a lamp because the the angel had to uh had to hurt him, had to wound him to get him off of him. And he goes and he meets with Esau and Esau embraces him. The brothers embrace. Jacob tries to give gifts to Esau and Esau says, No, I have all I need. And Jacob says, to see your face is to see the face of God. So we see that finally, at the end of the story, there's this reconciliation and this reintegration with Jacob and Esau. So what happened internally for Jacob in this new womb at night wrestling by the river Jabbok happens the next day. In reality, the outer world matches the inner world then. So this brings me to, like, so the chaos and the complexity gave way to novelty. It gave way to a new thing. It gave way to a new identity and a new way and a more authentic way of living for Jacob. And it gave way to a whole new era. A third emerged from the combining and the blending of those polarities. If you understand what I'm saying, this, I hope this is making sense to you. I'll, I'll go through the comments in a, in a minute. Looks like there's some really great comments there. So how does this relate to us? I don't know how it relates to you. I, sometimes I put stuff out. It's really vague, but I hope it speaks to you. But I can tell you how it relates to me. I've been Esau and I've been Jacob. And the two are at war with each other. Because there were aspects of my identity that were, that were authentic. It wasn't all fake. It wasn't all negative. It wasn't all horrible. When I was so involved in serving in the Christian community, when I was doing things that I was doing there, operating in giftings and talents that I have. And then, but I was suppressing the Jacob parts of myself. I was suppressing certain authentic sides to myself. And I'll go into that more. Uh, if somebody's interested, uh, I think I'll be going into it more in the next few weeks in these videos anyway, because I feel the shift that's happened for me. I feel like Israel. I feel like I'm coming to that point in my life 
where I'm reconciling these two parts of myself because it was very easy for Jacob to just get out of the house, if you see what I'm saying. I'm just leaving it all behind, every aspect of it, every part of it, every part of who I was. I don't want to relate to Esau anymore. I don't want to relate to that community anymore. I don't want to relate to that part of my life anymore. That part of my life's over. Forget about it. I'm moving on into this. This is who I'm becoming. But not realizing that I still have this fragment. I still have this brother there. <laughs> this fragment, fragmentation of myself, of this past thing that I was, a person that I was. And not really reconciling with it. And so what's happened for me in the last couple of months, really over the summer, and it was intense, it was an intense wrestling, but what's happened for me is I've I've come to realize that there were aspects of my Esau, there were aspects of me in Esau, just like there were aspects of me in Jacob. And I can't, I can't reject one in favor of the other. And so I've been in this wrestling match trying to get this new thing to emerge, not realizing that for this new thing to emerge, I've got to be able to bring the best of both together into one identity. I've got to bring the best of both together into one presentation so that it's not the appearance of one and the voice of the other. It's not distinguishable in that way, but so that there's a blending of these various different parts and aspects of myself you could look at this from the standpoint of shadow work, the parts of myself that were in the shadow that got exposed to me seven years ago that I've worked on uh, developing and integrating. But what I didn't realize was that I was taking parts of the Esau, parts of the old self that I was and didn't want to deal with that and pushing that into the shadow. And so I've had to really wrestle with that and reconcile with that and try to come to terms with that. And I think I have. I think I have come to terms with that. And I think I'm feeling the shifting that's happening both inside of me. I think that I have worked my way through the darkness of the night. I think I've worked my way through the watery, dark, new womb of where I've been at. And I really do believe that for me, uh, there is an, uh, an entirely new world and new self that's emerging. And so I think I finally have gotten through the chaos and I've gotten through the complexity and I've made my way into the novelty of the new thing. So that's what I wanted to share. I see Jeff, uh, Jeff says, love it, Aaron. I'm with you. Yeah. So all, everybody, just so you know, right now, I'm just, I'm just preaching Jeff's stuff, man. <laughs> He uh he turned me on. I mean, he spoke so powerfully to me a couple of weeks ago, these things and these principles, and I've just been working on them, thinking about how they apply and wanting to integrate them. So I have to credit him. But I want to thank you guys for taking the time to watch this. Let me see if I can see some of the comments here. Um, lots of good mornings. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on. Um, one person says the Bible is only a book of myth about being human, and that can be helpful to us. The Bible does have some good truths and helpful stories. Um, Joyce says this, maybe Jacob was wrestling with himself. Yeah, I think I think all of it represents or can represent, even when he's wrestling with these on the womb, a wrestling match that we're having with ourselves. Mona Lisa says, that's why we are to be our true self all the time. It's hard for people to do that today, mostly 
due to ego. I'm going to forget my reading glasses. I'm going to have to embrace the aspect of me that is passing the age of really good vision and needs reading glasses. <laughs> uh, someone says, uh, not knowing this biblical story, I am finding your explanation of the story fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I can't see who it is because for some reason all the Facebook comments are just coming up as Facebook user, not with the names. But thank you for sharing that feedback with me because I realized that I've got a, a and I want to appeal to a broader audience. And so I wanted to, I realized there would be people that didn't have a background in the story. And so thank you for that feedback. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for watching this. Thanks for joining the community. Thanks for all the comments. And uh, I'll be going live again tomorrow night. I'll put some information out about that. We can do, a, if enough people jump on, we can do a Q&A. I can share some things, uh, some more about what I'm experiencing and how this applies to me presently. We can have a little bit more of a conversation um, that way as well. Last week I, I went live on the wrong page. Thankfully, Christina Renee saved me, who's the other admin on the channel. She saved me and put it in the right place, but I think I figured it out. So I'll be going live from the, the group tomorrow night. Again, if you're watching by YouTube and you want to be a part of that, the link to that is in the bio. Thanks for taking the time to watch this. If you're watching it by replay and you made it all the way to the end, thank you. Again, please consider supporting our work with a donation to our PayPal link, which is in the description. Thanks, and have a wonderful, wonderful day, evening, night's sleep, whatever time it is for you. I hope you're doing well. And thanks again for watching.